This is Nasty Nate Kaiser. You're listening to the Sheriff Podcast. Tune in or I'll go to your house and choke you out. an exclusive episode of the sheriff guys today i have one of my idols on as a special guest now this guy i'm gonna consider him this is my theme for today the tough underdog ladies and gentlemen without further ado ryan vandenbush how are you doing today my friend i'm good doing very well thank you how you doing i'm doing good bushy I'm doing good, Bushy, and the reason why I'm doing good is because there's certain players that I really like to kind of pick their brains and know their stories, man. And you, my friend, are a guy that mastered the craft of the role that that I tried to do in my career, okay? But you're a guy that was an eighth-round draft pick just like myself. You were an underdog, Bushy, and I really want to know your story because, dude, where you were drafted, which was even even earlier than me, but, dude, we were not supposed to make it, and you had a heck of a career. And I want to know how it all started in Simcoe because I admire that place. I dated a girl for a long time that was from Simcoe. What was it like growing up in Simcoe, Ontario, Ryan Benabush? Well, Simcoe is a neighboring community uh, from where I grew up. So, uh, so Simcoe belongs to the municipality of Norfolk County. So I live in Delhi, which is just a little bit uh, west of there. And um, so that's that's kind of where I grew up. And and uh, you know, we always had our feuds with the people from Simcoe. With you know, when it comes to high school bush parties and all that kind of stuff, like oh, that's Simcoe. You got Delhi, Waterford, Langton, Port Dover. You know, what I mean, those are the five communities and high schools that people are kind of and you go to the fairgrounds uh you know in the fall time and they had this fair going on for over 150 years. and um it, it's just an amazing rivalry with the grandstands where you have each school you know uh representing your school cheering drinking in the stands and you're watching the, you know the, the tracks and the, and the uh, people doing cheerleading the tug of wars and all that kind of stuff it was pretty neat growing up in Norfolk County, for sure. And Simcoe, yeah, Simcoe provided a lot of, a uh, few uh, few NHL players, too. Uh, Simcoe, yeah. Ryan Kelly, <laughs> isn't it one? That's right. And you know what, Bushy? I got to take a little step back here, man, because hearing you explain the region brought back all my knowledge of those rivalries. So now, let me let me restart a little bit here. On your hockey DB, it says your birthplace is Simcoe, Ontario. But now I know how important the areas are. And man, are we ever going to talk about, you know, Norfolk County and Delhi against Simcoe? I, I want to hear all that stuff. That is some juicy stuff, my friend. So, but what is it? You were born in maybe the Simcoe Hospital, but but lived that's in Delhi? Right. Or? That, that, yeah, that's right. Because that's the only hospital in Norfolk County is located okay. in Simcoe. And, and then when I talk to people from 
you know, GTA area, I say Simcoe, and I think down Lake Simcoe or anybody, you know, no, we're not near Lake Simcoe, and we're 90 miles southwest in Toronto. Uh, tobacco Punch, tobacco yes. belt around here. They also call it Ontario's Garden. <laughs> That's right. Now, okay, so 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 you so you're a Delhi guy. Yeah. Yes. Okay, man. So right. now, what what does that mean to you, Bushy? Because I, I want the listeners to understand how proud you guys are in that area, man. Like I remember being there and just, you know, my girlfriend at the time was able to explain a lot of stuff to me. And, and then, and then she told me about these rivalries because she had a brother. I I don't know if you knew the guy, Jason Boyer, that was around the same age as you. And man, he was friends with like, you know, mutual friends of hockey guys. And man, I heard about these rivalries. Please give us some insight of these hometown rivalries. Okay, I just had something that your speaker was off for about 30 seconds, but I think I got the gist of what you said asking about the rivalries. Yeah, well, it starts, you know, you know, in, in school sports because you're always playing against each other. Minor, so I grew up playing double C in minor hockey, and that's just the level that we were based on the population of our town. Simcoe was more of a, a double B, Waterford was like a D, Langston was like a D. And, um, you know, Port Dover was like a double. And uh, so we would have all these rivals. We'd play against Jason Collimore and, and uh, Dwayne Rolson was a little bit older than me, but, you know, Rob Blake and those guys. So when you're, you got those, so those rivalries start in sports, whether it be in high school or, you know, baseball or, or um, hockey. And then, um, but, but before that, like when I was growing up in the uh, mid 80s, a lot of people were growing to battle, and a lot of the people my age were working. And so we would have gangs that would, you know, there's five people that are climb tobacco on the climbing machine. Then you would have a boat driver. Then you have a kill yard people that take them, take them tobacco and put it into the kill. So, you know, our rivalries really started in there because then we go to bush parties through that. And we ended up, for some stupid reason, there might be bush fights or whatever. You know how it is when you're young and dumb and drunk and stupid, right? So, um, so that's when I started. And, and then um, basically, you know, after our hard days of priming at working in the fields, this is the, we must have had a ton of energy. We would decide that we would put on the, the hockey helmets and, and, and box each other with uh, our hockey gloves on <laughs> after working in the fields all day. So that's kind of how I honed in on my skills a little bit on, on the pugilistic sides. <laughs> okay. So now I want to stay with that topic a little bit. Now, we're talking about the young Ryan Van Bush right now, down in back in Delhi. Now, I want to know more about your immediate family, Ryan, because, man, you, as you can say proudly, are an undersized heavyweight in the NHL, correct? 100%. Yeah. So, dude, I need me and the listeners, we all need to know. How did Ryan Vandenbush develop the type of toughness? Did you have older brothers that were beating on you your whole childhood? Like, tell me the story, man. I need to know. Yeah, that's exactly pretty much what happened. I had a, a brother that was uh, 16 months older than me. And mm. we lived on a farm in, in Lindock, actually. So it's not <laughs> even in Delhi. Lindock is smaller than Delhi. And um, so... Uh, we just didn't see eye to eye. As soon as I can remember, we just was one of those, you know, brothers, that, siblings that fought all the time, and, and they weren't they weren't wrestling matches. They were absolutely brawls, and it started when I was probably 10, 12, 
No, before that, actually. Because then my, when I was really young, my parents were separated when I was like probably 10, 10 or 11. So um, before that, I remember being in the old farmhouse and my dad breaking us up. And he says, he, he made us put on the boxing gloves and he says, you know, you guys can fight and the winner gets to fight me. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So um, that, that started uh, back then. And then you know, it, once I uh, got to maybe grade 10 or so, I started, you know, after you reach puberty, uh, I started getting a little bit bigger. And I'll never forget this one yeah. time. You know, I'm coming home and I'm trying to unlock the door or he's trying to unlock the door and he couldn't get the key in and he decided to kick the key thinking he can get it in. And I just remember losing my shit. I don't do you stupid ass. What are you doing? And of course, yeah, he's coming at me. And I remember I hit him first right in the schmuckers and he stepped up back and I realized and I got my confidence. Oh, I can take it. You know what I mean? Like I was just, yeah, it's no different than in hockey. After you get a hockey fight, it was, it's just, I started my, uh, my fighting when I was really, really, really young. And it happened literally probably once or twice a week. And my mom, she would, she would cry because sometimes she couldn't even break us up. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh anyway so, we got through it and i have to give my brother credit because he taught me how to be able to take a beating for sure and then you know eventually i was able to give one so 16 months apart now did he play as well when you guys were kids yeah he did yeah he played until about probably bantam age how? and then he didn't have any interest after that okay so 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 he went to about bantam triple a and then just kind of said yeah we didn't have triple a around here so if you wanted to go play triple a you had to go to brantford so we we, we were double c Okay, right on. Okay, right on. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, I got two brothers as well, Bushy, you know what I mean? But the only yeah. difference is, is that I'm the oldest one. So, ah, man. So you're getting my, beaten right from the beginning. Yeah, bro. So, I got Patrick. I got Patrick. That's three years younger than me. Oh, and then I yeah. got Liam, who's now seven foot two, 325 pounds. That is five years younger than me. So, oh. they're, they're very tough, Bushy. Like, yeah, I had a three-year advantage in the fights back when we were kids, right? Oh, so I was yeah. winning all of them, man. And and Patrick, he's the toughest guy I know. So I know I had something to do with that, right? Oh, your sure. brother, I'm telling you, your brother groomed the most fierce NHL heavyweight I've ever seen. Like, Bushy, you have to understand, bro. When your name is said, like, in the hockey world, this is the first thing people think of. Toe-to-toe warrior. Toe-to-toe warrior. Like, you're like the NHL version of John Morasti. Like, for the minor league guys. Like, you know who John Nasty Morasti is. Oh, yeah. He's right? Nasty Morasti. You're, you're the NHL version, Bushy. Like, you, buddy, I'm telling you, man. Like, you're video game type type stuff. Man. Right? <laughs> well, I remember, and, I, and, and it probably wasn't smart, but it worked for me. Like, I remember being told from the Toronto Maple Leaf staff that we need to fight like that. After they drafted me, you're you're gonna and it's just not good. You gotta be able to more of a close fighter. You can't be an open fighter. And you know, I I didn't really listen that well. And I and I some I learned to to, to slow it down a little bit. Like if you ever watched Darren Langdon fight, that yep. guy's a tech, technician, man. Like he just knows exactly where to grab. And, He's not a strong guy. I went to training camp with him. Like Gretzky was benching the same amount he was, you know. But I'm telling you, this guy was so smart and such a technical fighter. He just knew. So if you're a righty, if you're a righty, he's bringing your hand towards you. And then as soon as you pull that arm back, he already knows you're trying to pull it back. Well, he's already cocked. So you let go, boom, grab on again. 
right? I used to watch fights all the time and study them before, you know, if you're coming up and I knew Sean McMorrow's in a lot of against Charlie plays, I know that, especially coming from the monitors, you're always hungry league, right? I am going to be fighting this fucking dude. <laughs> I, like, you know, I remember Kyle Frederick came, uh, I was in Chicago and he was a younger guy and, and uh, Nathan Parrott called me up. He was in, I don't even know where he was, but we were teammates prior to that. And he's like, hey, Bushy, there. Kyle Fredericks in a lineup tonight, and this guy is six foot seven, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Uh, and he's gonna want to fight. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, great! Well, thanks for the heads up. I'm gonna have a great afternoon nap now." And uh, sure enough, like first, first shift, third shift of the game, third or fourth shift of the game, I'm on the ice, and right away, eight seconds. I played eight seconds that game. We had an unbelievable fight, and. Um, I ended up, we both ended up, couldn't finish the game because we both had wounds that we couldn't finish the game with. And uh, I got second star. <laughs> no way. <laughs> we're playing eight seconds. Really? Uh, so so the, the crowd must have, everyone's on their feet going nuts. It was one of those times? Yeah, it was a pretty neat, neat, neat fight, like David and Goliath. But um, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, you, you visualize in your head, like I did a lot of visualizing, you know, like when I was in junior my roommate had a, a mental toughness book that he gave me. I don't, I don't know why he must have got that and read it or he didn't want to read it, but he gave it to me. And, and it was like my Bible. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you go through those little bouts of time and even in real life too, like where you don't have that confidence. You don't have that confidence. It's hard to be at your best and play at your optimal levels. Right. So yeah. I, I really felt like I, I burned some neural pathways there with regards to mental toughness, like, and not the attitude, like, you know, like it, it was like, you're almost like a machine. You, you just you do it. You plow through it. You look back, not very smart now, but you, you learn. But I'm talking like with the mental toughness more with the emotional side of the game. You know what I mean? With like, you know, oh, yeah. just be yourself and, and just go out there and work hard and finish your checks and be a good listener and be the hardest work on the ice. And, and then, you know, like sometimes you're on teams where like I remember one of the captains uh, we had and I, he would like laugh if he missed a pass or something or he would be disgusted you know what i mean and i'm like that's not a way to be you know so yeah. you gotta be mentally tough for a lot of different reasons right and uh, you lose a fight you know what it's like you lose a fight you can't wait till the next time you play because you just got to redeem yourself right it's just you have to so it takes a toll i think i've been in over 300 uh, on ice fights i had 14 surgeries well, um, many broken bones. Uh, yeah, north of 20 concussions throughout my career. So it's uh, <laughs> well, I'm, feeling? I'm 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 feeling okay. Like like I'm I'm more so like we're we were different types of fighters though. Me and you, Bushy. Like if I fought the way you did, I probably would have played in the NHL because. You know, to have a guy my size with, you know, with my type of character that's going bomb for bomb for everybody, like, I might have got hurt really bad, too. You know what I mean? But I, if I did that and was successful, I couldn't see myself, you know, not of cracking that Buffalo Sabre lineup, right? But I'm a, I'm a defensive fighter. Um, I have a lot of tools. And I got criticized a lot, man, over my career. Because people, especially being in the Quebec League, you know, in the semi-pro league, you know, they say, you got to fight more open, fight open, McMorrow, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I fight open. You want me to play next weekend or what? You know what I mean? Right. So that's yeah. why I appreciate the, the, your style of fighting. And I know that you altered it throughout your career. You're a smart guy. 
But overall, Bushy, you were known as an aggressive, toe-to-toe heavyweight fighter in the National Hockey League. Well, the, the way I looked at it was like, you know, a guy my size, I didn't put any pressure on myself. You know, I, I went there, if I lost a fight, I'm usually fighting guys bigger than me. If I lost, then, well, I'm supposed to lose. If I tied, then it looked, you know, I, I won really because I'm smaller. And if I won, yeah. then I look like a fucking hero, right? <laughs> so yeah. That was my attitude going in. And, um, but then as you get older, you know, you start thinking, you know, after I, um, I really didn't realize how dangerous hockey could be until like the the, the Kiprios thing and I, I was gonna ask you about it, that it made me feel sick to my stomach and I was like you know that could have been me it was just a lucky punch right on the chin. but there's a prime example it's like you know when you go in and, and grab a guy like I like to get in tight first I like to get positioned with my hand so my right hand I'm gonna hold on to you so if I if I know Depending on who you are, more than likely I'm going to grab you right in the middle if you have decent shoulder pads that's not going to break away. Like, I couldn't yeah. do that Stu Grimson because they, I'd, be, I'd be able to hear. You know what I mean? So I would look at that and even in warm-up and see what kind of what they're wearing and see if I figured I was going to be fighting these guys. And then that's what I would do. I'd come in and I'd almost give you a hug like that. And, I, and then I'd get a good grip and I'd push out. And at the same time, I'd push it out and pull off your helmet. I might take a couple in the meantime. But I got my helmet on pretty good, and uh, and then once that helmet comes off, now I'm cocked and ready to go. <laughs> and, uh, my in in when I visualize all this, I was just like, I got to do it harder, and I got to do it faster than him, and I got to be accurate. You know what I mean? And that's uh, it, it, it's it usually was pretty effective. If, you know, lefties are fighting righties. It's just a matter of who's going to get in there quick if you can stay in tight. And then with the the tie down rule. It got almost a little bit easier, but well, not really, because I used to get out of my equipment and nobody could hold on to me so I could get it nice and tight. But, you know, with that tie down rule, I would grab behind your jersey. Like if you had a loose neck, I yeah. would have to go in behind your jersey and grab that because yeah. you know it's not going to come off because of the tie down. So, yeah. Things that we think about, eh? I know. I, it's amazing, man. Like, like this type of insight, like Bushy, I'm telling you, man, like, like people usually don't get to hear like these types of things so so i like like thank you like i appreciate you sharing that buddy because it's incredible right like like i know what you're saying but i'm just happy for the listeners because they they now have some great insight into that now dude i wanted to talk to you a little bit about the ohl like you're an ohler through and through just like myself okay but bushy you had like a very unique journey man in junior like i'm a stats guy bro and i'm i'm looking I'm looking at these stats and I'm looking at a guy that played his first OHL game and then less than two seasons later, he plays a game in the American Hockey League. So, like, you excelled extremely fast, man. Can you talk about, like, that, 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 like, time in, in, in your journey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember, like, like I said, growing up in Delhi, playing double C hockey. It wasn't. It was very laid back, right? There was always like Jordy Kinnear. Have you ever heard of Jordy Kinnear? Oh yeah, he's, he's a, a extremely tough defenseman that I grew up with. Played four games for the Atlanta Thrashers. He's right on. from Delhi, so that's who I grew up with. And um, so you know, we pushed each other, right? And then I just was told at sixteen, or right around fourteen, I realized, man, I really love this game. I just I thought. It, myself if I shoot extra pucks here and 
in the summertime, maybe I'll be better in the fall time. You know what I mean? Never played any summer hockey. I went to hockey school for one week ever, and that was it. But other than that, I was not playing all, doing nothing all summer. We beaching or fishing. And um, so I, I just had an enjoyment, had a passion for it. You have to have that passion, right? And then um, I made a junior B team and then didn't really play much. Um, so I went to junior C because I just wanted to play and the coach was not playing me. This donkey coach was like, uh, he was told that scouts from, from uh, uh, Cornwall coming down and um, it was Floyd Crawford, Mark Crawford's father. Okay. Really? <laughs> okay. And so he comes down to watch a game and, and I didn't play one shift, not one shift. So, yeah. anyways, they shit. So I just decided to go play junior C. So I ended up getting drafted by the Cornwall Royals that year. Mark Crawford was my coach in the 14th round. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to, you know, the 14th round. My buddy Jordy was a second rounder of the Peterborough Peets. Yeah, and he ended up captaining. Uh, he was a captain of them too. So um, <laughs> I go to training camp that year. Am I driving down with with my dad, and we're driving into Cornwall and. I thought he shit himself, man. I'm like, Dad, did you shit yourself? You got to fucking put the window down. I'm like, what is that smell? He's like, no, I didn't shit myself. It was Dom Tar, the big paper mill, right? Yeah. So that was my first memory of Cornwall getting in there. And, and he's saying to me, he's like, Ryan, you're a 14th round draft pick. Uh, if you want to make this team, you better get noticed in a good way. You know, be physical. So, you know, the first day of training camp, I, I went out and um, I ended up getting my teeth knocked out. And uh, oh. two front teeth. Um, Who did that? And then, and then, uh, but before that happened, uh, I caught Owen Nolan. Owen Nolan that year was the first overall draft pick to the Quebec Nordiques. And I caught him coming across the blue line with his head down. So he was getting ready to go to his camp in Quebec. And I I hit him with a pretty good clean check, right? (laughs) And then, so this is like, you know, he's probably like thinking, you know, I'm the first overall draft pick. How could this guy? And yeah. uh, he doesn't think anybody gonna hit him. Well, I'm fucking there to make a team. <laughs> I don't give a shit who. You are. And yeah. uh, so he comes over and I hit him. And then, but he, then the play continued on, and it was went back and around. And I know he's coming after me now. So the puck comes ringing around the boards, and I'm a right winger. So I'm gonna pick up this puck along the boards, and my head's down, and my eyes are up, and I see him coming barreling at me. And at the last second, I just threw my shoulder right into him, and he dropped, and and then. Uh, he was he missed training camp. He missed the first three months of the season because he was concussed. And no uh, way. tough guy. Uh Marcus Middleton, big boy, six foot four. He comes after me and uh, so we fight and I do I do pretty good in that fight. Nobody went down. Um but I stood my ground. And then um and then uh the next day I got my teeth knocked out, my two front teeth. One came right out, and one pushed back my mouth. I had to pull it out because it was just disgusting. I couldn't breathe. And then, um, so that we were, we were having two a day. So that happened in the morning, and I came back and, and in an inner squad game. I went back out on the, what's that? Like in an inner squad game, they got knocked yeah, out. Yeah, just an inner squad game. You know, like in a fight or or high elbow, like what? It was it was a butt end. Right okay. In my mouth. So, but. Stick. In retaliation to you knocking, I don't know. It was a fourth round draft pick uh, that oh, year. Okay. He was rookie. He was a he was a he was a rookie. So I I don't know. If, I don't think so. I don't think it was intentional. Okay. So anyway, so that happened in the morning. I'm back on the ice that afternoon, 
And then um, I went after that guy too, tried to fight him, and he didn't want anything to do with me. He probably thought I was crazy as shit. And then, uh, <laughs> and then after that, um, I remember uh, the next day, I was getting, I was coming out of my own zone, and I looked behind me to grab the pass, and Rod Pasma, second round draft pick, the Washington Capitals, stepped up and hammered me. I got up, fell down, went to the wrong bench. I was concussed. I was just a mess. And uh, so I stayed with my dad that night. He said I was repeating myself all the time. And, and then back out the next day. You know, that's just the way it was back then. I woke yeah. up the next day. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't go out. That it happened in the morning. I didn't go out that afternoon. But I started out going out the following day. And I go out and I played pretty decent again. Uh, like, just worked hard, right? And Mark Crawford, he's a blue-collar guy. And he, I think he liked what he saw in my heart. And, and to make a long story short, that's how a 14th-round draft pick makes the uh, OHL. <laughs> yeah. Man. And that's probably the only way, too, man. Right? Like, something crazy had to happen where your name kept coming up. This, this goddamn Ben and Bush guy, he keeps... And all these things in camp, we keep seeing him. We keep seeing his name. And that's what getting noticed is all about. And that's what you did, man. It was a long shot, Bushy, for you to make that team, my friend. Man. So that, that's incredible. And I had no idea about that. I'm looking at the eighth round NHL status, right? But the 14th round OHL status was probably even a longer shot, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah in a way? If it wasn't for like I did really well in the fitness too, right? Um, okay. So I that 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 kind of got their their attention and and then I, I just you know I just went out there as a, as aggressive player, finished my checks, and then you know people didn't like when I finished my checks and they would come and challenge me and I went back down because I used to get my ass kicked all the time from my brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I'm telling you, he 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 groomed he groomed the warrior. So now Bushy. Yeah. When you got drafted by Toronto, right? Now, now you're 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 you know the Leafs. Now I'm sure Delhi and the whole the whole Norfolk County area, their majority are either Leaf fans or Sabre fans. Yeah, Toronto Sabre fans, Montreal. Right on. So that that was probably like a dream come true to be drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs, being from Delhi. It was amazing. It was. Uh... <laughs> I remember because I came down to Delhi. Dan Marr was the uh, head scout, and he uh, he wanted to interview me. So I took him to a local restaurant. My dad made me wear cowboy boots, so it made me look like I was like an inch and a half taller. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's a great idea, right? So we go out for a bite to eat, and and uh, he says, "Well, if you're around around the eighth round, we're gonna draft you." That's what he said, and I was like, "You?" They stuck to their word. I really didn't know if that was true or not, and it happened. So, yeah, it was a pretty neat experience to be drafted by Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, did you go to your draft? I did. Where was I it? Did. It was in Montreal that year. Whoa, okay. At the old form? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did the whole family go? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, the whole family went. Um, my, you know, my my parents went, and <laughs> um, you know, I figured if I get drafted, I went there with no expectations, right? Yeah. But I, I had a good feeling, obviously, because that's what they said, and I, I yeah. believed them, and uh, and it did, and it did happen. But I'll never forget the experience. You know, when you hear your name called out, did you go to your draft? 
I wasn't allowed because you had to be rated in the first three rounds to be allowed to go just because guys were like devastated if they went to a draft and had to fly there and then didn't get picked. Right. So my agent was at the time was actually Mike Gillis, the guy that was, you know, the GM of, of Vancouver. And you know what I mean? He was an agent before all that. And, and he represented me and, and that was his rule. So he was like, you know, just stay home, Sean, you're rated in the seventh, eighth round, stay home, have a barbecue and, and listen on the radio. And, th- and that's what I did. Right. So, so my experience was good too, but what I wanted to ask you, Bushy was so in that Montreal draft, was it set up the way it is now? Like, was it a day one, day two, like the first three rounds, day one, and then the rest of the draft day two, or was it all one day? Do you remember? I remember the first round taking forever. I think it was done in one day. That was 1992. I feel like it was one day. It felt like two days, but, um, it, it was a long day for sure. The first round, I felt like it was half the day. And then it was like, you know, I get out of there at the end of the day, pretty much. But uh, no, it was uh, it was a it was a lengthy process, but it was worth it. I mean, I can totally understand why that's a new rule, because I had buddies that were uh, they were rated well before me, third, fourth, fifth round picks. And, and they, they didn't get drafted. Wow. So that's when it. In 1992, they took down the curtain, right? They they allowed you to draft anyone from anywhere in the world with no import rule or nothing like that. So it, that pushed a lot of Canadian kids out of the yeah. draft. And yeah. It's too bad because, you know, what do you, like, sure, you're bringing in some Europeans. And but when you got a European coming in to play in a North American league that is no better than a kid that's from North America, it's just, they're just doing that. It, it was, I can see their frustration. So, and some of these guys went back to junior and just kind of like gave up, you know what I mean? But yeah, you know, I just, I can understand being there all freaking day and not getting drafted. That would suck balls. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it, I can see like why, like, like why Mike Gillis did that. Like, cause I, I, I would have been devastated bushy cause my draft was in Calgary. Right. So, like, if I flew to Calgary and my mom, my brothers, and my girlfriend at the time, and I'm sitting there in my best suit, and I'm sitting there, man, and I'm waiting, and seventh round, eight, there was nine rounds in my draft. You know, I went 258th overall, Bushy, in the eighth round. There was less teams when you got drafted. I think you went, you went 173rd overall in that same eighth round, right, because of the less teams. So, yeah, man, 172 picks. You were very patient. You were thinking positive. And then you got the call from the Toronto Maple Leafs, man, your hometown team. What a feeling. What a feeling. Yeah, so you're at a barbecue and you had a radio going. And yeah, you're, like I was. Like you're- yeah, I was in, at the exact same place that I am right now. I, I do the recordings from my mom's house. You know, it's a great thing. You know, I get to have dinner here the day of the recording and have a visit with my mom and whatnot. And, and yeah, man, same house, my mom's house. We were all here. We just had a barbecue in the backyard and and just and just listened. And then and then the, you know the Buffalo. My agent first called me and and said, "Hey, congratulations! The Sabers just took you in the eighth round." And because you know like like the rate at that time, I think it wasn't even on the radio. It was like on the internet, but the internet was like it wasn't how it is now. So it was like behind. You know what I mean? Right. It was like a couple yeah. rounds behind, like it the results. Didn't so, have the bandwidth. Like I don't have here. Yeah, there you go, Bushy. There you go. So, dude. So, so another and a thing that I'm really, really curious about too, Bushy, is when you first started in St. John's, right? Now, 
for the listeners to understand, St. John's, Newfoundland, Bushy, is a very different place, correct? Unique, oh, I should say. It, it is extremely unique. I love it. So what was it like, man, as a 20-year-old to live on the island, man? Like, what was that like, man? I'll never forget getting cut, like getting sent down. I knew I was going to go down in the rock, and and they said you're boarding these this, this plane, and and uh, off you go. And I remember getting on this little puddle jumper and flying in to this turbulence, and just sweating. My forehead is cloudy; you couldn't see nothing, and landing, and 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 then Gulliver Cabs comes and picks you up, and. They're speaking Newfoundlandese. It was, <laughs> I, I didn't know really much about Newfoundland, to be honest with you. And uh, I, let me tell you, my first year and both years that I was there are probably the best two years of pro hockey I had. Like, besides, you know, my first game in the NHL, but my first year experience of playing in Newfoundland was, was a wonderful experience. And the people were so sweet, you know, like they had a, a miniature. On uh, Logie Bay Road, they had this uh, little barn that held probably 2,500 people, but it was always packed solid, right? And um, so that's where we played out of. And then, you know, you playing in the Atlantic Division, you got to see all the uh, eastern provinces and their little towns, Fredericton, Moncton, PEI, and, and um, it was uh, it was a pretty neat experience. You know, the experience down in George Street. Have you ever been uh, to Newfoundland? I I had the pleasure to be playing the St. John's Maple Leafs in March, man. And I've actually been on George Street on a St. Paddy's Day, my friend. Oh, that would have been insane. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I got, yes it so was. After my first, after my first year in, in uh, Newfoundland, I didn't live too far from the arena on Logie Bay Road. And then I was like, ah, uh, after the bars and uh, at nighttime, I didn't want to wait so long for a cab because it was freezing cold. And I said, next year, I'm going to rent a place right where I can walk from the bars to my place. And I did. Guess who my roommate was? He was a guest of yours not that long ago. Who? It was Frankie the Animal by Lois. That's who I oh, lived with wow. a block from George Street. You guys were roommates. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Man. Okay, so now this uh, this is now that we're we're on this timeline. Okay, Bushy, I recently saw a video. Okay, of a fight. I think it was your first year pro. I'm not sure. It was you against I think Serge Robert, where all your guys' stuff came off. You guys had like two rounds in the same fight. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. What year was that? That would have been uh, 93, 94 season. Okay, so that was your first year pro. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Why was, was that such a war? Pardon? That, was, that, that, that fight happened in Cornwall because Cornwall lost their junior team. They went to the Sarnia Sting. And, uh, uh, and then, um, yeah, so then they got the Cornwall, uh, I think it was Quebec's farm the team. The Royals? No, that was Cornwall Aces, I think they're called. Okay, yeah. And uh, that's where Robert was playing. And I, there's a big, the Cornwall papers pumped it all up before we even got there, right? We knew we really? were fighting. Sergio Bears, Ryan Vanderbilt's coming back in the rink. And and uh, so I, I had a lot of fan base there already. So it was a pretty entertaining scrap for the, for the Cornwall fans, I think. How did you like playing in that arena in Cornwall? I liked it. It didn't matter to me. 
it wasn't always very full. It probably held 2,000, but I think we're probably averaging about 1,000 and 1,500. But uh, no, it's good. Cornwall's a good town. It, it's a decent town. They actually um, had an LNAH team for a little while, like in that Quebec uh, semi-pro league. Um, and, and it was it was really, really successful in the beginning. And then I think they changed ownership and and the, the second ownership group didn't do as well. But but yeah, like they they were bringing in they, they were packing in that arena. They were pumping that they had beer girls. They had, they had all this stuff going on over there. And it, it was pretty cool like to see. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I saw that fight with you and Serge. And I, and I just had to ask about it, man. So so there was a pretty big buildup, and everyone in the arena knew it was going to happen even before your bus pulled up. Nobody was going down in that fight. Dude, it was a war, though, wasn't it? Like, that was yeah. a I got my I got his thumb right in my eye, too. And it's no still, way. I tissue on my eye from that fight. Jeez. Now, the other thing that I that I did notice, bro... Now that like I like I know we're backtracking a little bit, but you managed to get pretty much two 30 point seasons in the OHL bef- like before you left. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm pretty impressed with that, man. Like like you like on like with New Market, with New Market, you you had you had you okay, buddy, 30 point seasons. I'm talking about 30 points in 30 games. You racked up the the points here, brother, because you got traded to Guelph in your last year, right? And yeah. you got 20 points with Guelph, 30 points with Newmarket, but you were a 50-point man. Those are some big yeah, numbers, Bushy. I, so 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 Newmarket was Cornwall, because Cornell moved to Newmarket and then Okay, so that's okay. So so same year, same year though, 50 sorry, points. Yes. Don't don't try yeah. to change the, the narrative, buddy. You're a 50-point man. <laughs> I, I wish I, I kind of wish I never was traded because I, I went to um, I was that when I was in Newmarket I wasn't on a power play but I was scoring old like I was I don't know what it was pucks were just going in right okay and um, and then I, I get traded to Guelph for my old coach he traded for me and I get on a power play and I get more ice time and I get half the amount of points I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> Okay, yeah. No, I hear you, man. Happens, right? It's just yeah, no, I hear you. Sometimes it's like that though, eh? Like just in some spots, just things just bang off your butt and go right. going in the net. Other spots you're getting everything on it. You beat the goalie and it rings off the crossbar. Right? So it's nuts. But dude, yeah, so all right, so okay, so now that now we're gonna get to some exciting stuff because cause Bushy, like your era, I believe, was the toughest era especially the American Hockey League. Like, man, what was that like playing in the AHL at that time, right before you got pretty much up with the NHL, where there's two, three guys on every single team? I don't think people realize that that was a situation. I mean, now you got a a tough guy on every third or fourth team where you might have three or four on one team, you know, back Uh, when you played. Honestly, man, the, I look back and I think of some of those teams that we had. Like in St. John's, we had 10 legit tough guys. So did Cape Breton. We were playing them all 10? the time. Like, 10? It, oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm there. There is so much meat on pretty a lot of teams that I played on. Like Binghamton, New York. You know, yeah. there, we had, you know, Bolton and Eric Cairns and George Burnett, myself, and uh, Daniel Lacroix. There's just like a name off so many. 
You guys were all on the same team? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Both and all those guys, they were so all on the same? Burnout would be called up, and then... Yeah, Bolton would be wow. called up. Sylvain Bluan played there with Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, wow. And then... So, and then yeah, go ahead. Like, Sorry. The, the life in America... Like, here was my mindset going into... My goal was to play in the NHL. I was always told, like, that's why I never got to play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Back in 19, so my third, my second year pro, 94-95 season, that's when the Toronto Maple Leafs were doing really well. And uh, yeah. Cliff Fletcher was a GM, yeah. and uh, Bill Waters was the assistant GM. Pat Burns was a coach. Warren Reichel, Kenny Baumgartner were the tough guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were injured that year, and then Tough guys in the minor on in St. John's was Frankie the Animal by Lois, Kenny Belanger, and uh, myself. And there's a few other ones, but we're the three that would probably get called up. I get a so Kenny Belanger, Frankie Animal by Lois are, are injured. I get a call from Bill Waters, says, Ryan, you're playing really well. Keep playing well, you're gonna get called up. And I'm thinking, I'm like, never in a million years that I wasn't even expected to get called up. Really, I, I got that phone call. It was just like getting drafted. I didn't think I was going to get drafted, but I did. I didn't think I'm getting called up, and I, I did. And I didn't. But so, so weeks go by. Bill Waters calls me up. Ryan, you're not going to call you up. I was talking to Cliff Fletcher, and Cliff Fletcher just thinks you're too small to be a tough guy in the NHL. <laughs> no, That's way. What the, the, the so he just said. so he just totally put it on the other guy. Yeah, just so they waited for Kenny Belanger uh, to get ba- back from his injury, and they called him up. And then they wow. called Frankie up that same year too, right? And uh, and I was too small to be a tough guy in the NHL. So fast forward. So my goal was always like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove prove them wrong. I gotta show that I can fight. I gotta show that I can't. I, I don't want to be a liability on the ice, of course. I want to skate my ass off, forecheck hard, back check hard, finish my checks, and then if I fight, I have to fight, right? But my mentality was to fight every game. If I could fight twice in a game, I'd probably fight twice again. I always wanted to be in a top five major. I needed to be, I don't know, I was yeah. a bit of a stats guy too. I, I wanted yeah. to be in that range, right? Yeah. It, it didn't matter if I only played 40 games. I was going to be trying to fight 40 times pretty much. Yeah. That was my, that was my mentality. And, um, it got a little old after about three, four years, but you, you <laughs> keep it. So then, um, so I didn't get my chance there. Toronto was going to resign me and uh, have my meeting with Bill Waters. And I said, well, Bill, you, you're, you, like, where am I expected? Obviously, you had an opportunity to call me up. Never called me up. So, like, yeah. why would I want to sign back here? They had me by the balls, though, because I was a uh, uh, restricted free agent, right? Yeah, so it's, they only it's called the Group like 2 Screw. Increase. Yeah. The Group well, 2 Screw. I, I, I remember asked, that. Okay. And um, so I, I asked for my release and he gave me my release, Bill Waters did. So I, I thought that was very nice of him. And I and I forever will thank the Toronto Maple Leafs for not burying me because they could have done that, right? And then I ended up signing with the, uh, the, um, the, the New York Rangers. Yes. Now, you put up some really big numbers in Binghamton and then obviously gave you your shot in New York. What was it like playing on Broadway, my friend? I'll never forget. I was in St. John's, New Brunswick. I got a call that you're uh, you're getting called up to go play in the NHL, and I was just numb, literally numb. 
and I thought one of my teammates were joking. And so I, it wasn't. And uh, I get on a plane, fly into LaGuardia, a town car, big town car picks me up. And I remember walking into Madison Square Gardens and walking into the room. And the first person I saw that greeted me was Wayne Gretzky. Now, nobody knows Delhi. Like, even you, you're saying, like, you've been here and you're saying, like, Simcoe. how's it like living in, Nor- in Simcoe? Yeah. Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> says, Brian Vanbush, how's Delhi treating you? No <laughs> and way. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's cool. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I was six years old when, when, when Gretzky and Messier broke into the league. And then fast forward a number of years later, the next night, I didn't play that night, but the next night in Buffalo, um, here I am sitting on the bench and I look beside me, there's Wayne Gretzky and the other side of me is Mark Messier. My first <laughs> shift was with Mark Messier, my centerman. Come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Your first it shift. Langdon, I think on the left side and it was me on the right side. I remember the play too, coming around the boards or around the, around their net. I got a nice pass on my stick, and I and he came across at the right time, and I snapped it onto his stick, and he was a nice little tic tac toe breakout. Macker, <laughs> you would have loved it. <laughs> so now, Bushy. So now you you're playing the right wing, but you're you're a left hand shot, aren't you? No, I'm a righty. Okay, so you're a right hand shot. So I I like so for some reason. What we have to deal with as fourth liners is sometimes we're put on like our our offside, like just to get us in the lineup. But I think that's what it was that I've seen you play on on the left side. You know what I mean? Quite a bit because yeah, you've I, had to. Yeah. When they when they you know what I mean? And I and both. so like the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, buddy, was now being on Broadway, playing for the New York Rangers, Gretzky on one side, Messi on the other side. Like what? What? What did that do for your confidence? Like, like it, it must be another level of competition when you're playing with legends like that, right? Well, you probably remember your first first game, how you felt when you stepped on that NHL ice for the very first time, putting that jersey over top of you, and then you almost feel you're so excited that you're nervous, but I think you're more excited than nervous. So like the way I felt was I, like I was floating on that ice. Like I, I felt like I could skate a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah. And like, I always felt like I was in a movie. What's that? I always felt like I was in a movie. Right. When I was at NHL camp and during preseasons, like, like, like Bushy, like I, I only got called up the one time regular season but I played a lot of preseason. Like, I would play all the preseason every year and get cut right at the end. And You know what I mean? So, like, I got a big enough sniff to know what it's like. And because I played in the AHL for so long, you know what I mean? The friendships that I developed over the years, all the guys that I played with ended up graduating. A lot of the guys. Yeah. You know, I got to be in Chicago's organization, Edmonton's organization, and then Buffalo's for a long time. So I got to meet like a lot of guys and the hockey world is incredible. And like, we were talking before the show about that golf tournament that we both participated in. Now, where exactly was that? Was that in Simcoe or was that in Delhi as well? That was, uh, out more closer to Port Dover. Port Dover. And that, that, between, out in the rural area between Dover and Simcoe. 
Okay, and now now Port Dover, that's the place to be in the summertime. Turkey Point is even better. Turkey Point. Man, I forgot about that. Now, where's the place where they have the big biker rally? Port Dover. That's Port Dover as well? Now, did you guys watch that every year? Or, or for the locals, was it kind of like, was it looked at a certain way? Like, like, how did you guys view that big biker rally as locals? Well, well I, I live between Turkey Point and Port Dover. So I don't live right in town, but a lot of True. people that live in town that didn't like it, they would just leave town that weekend. Okay, um, so that was that was the attitude. Like, yeah, like for some, but I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the locals, they loved it too, right? And a lot of them, it was great for the merchants because Dover is a town of about sixty four hundred people, and and um, this this brought in over well one summer. Uh, before COVID, it was a July one. It was like 150,000 people coming through the town of Port Dover. Like they shut down the main drag and some side streets, and it's just people and bikes on the main drag. It's insane. I remember seeing it one year, man, and I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. Like and my my mother, she 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 just loves that whole culture and stuff. So so I've always looked at it as as a really cool thing. And then once I got to see something like that. Man, that that that's a thing to experience. Like just just the throttle, like the, the boom, boom, just seeing everything go. Like it's it's pretty cool stuff. A little bit of testosterone on there. Yeah, lots of testosterone on there, man. So now, so now, Bushy. So now, uh, when when I when I picture you, I picture you in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform, right? I'm pretty sure that's the team that NHL team that you played the most games for, right? Yeah. Had the most contracts with and whatnot. Now, man, that's an organization that they, they ended up developing into being like one of the best places to be in the national hockey league. Was it like that when you were there too, you guys just kind of had younger teams and then like, cause you were obviously before the, the cane and, and Taze, like when, you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff, right? The three, the three cups in the six years. I was traded there in 98, spring of 98. And then, um, and then, um, played in Indianapolis following year, um, so, so Paul Coffey was there, and, and Chris Chelios was there, and that was kind of cool. And then, uh, and then I was then I was there until the lockout. And Chicago, so so my last year there was in 0304 because 0405 was a lockout. So 04, and I think Duncan Keith and uh, um, I got a brain fart. The other defenseman that's been there for years, um, Seabrook. Seabrook, for God's sakes, they were both drafted that year, and I remember, I remember at training camp watching this eighteen-year-old kid, phenom. I'm mean, like, I don't even know who Duncan Keith was. Really, like, I, I don't really, I didn't pay attention to the numbers. I didn't really watch hockey all that much, to be honest with you. When I was playing, I did, but younger people, I was watching more. I was doing currently, right? And I just remember seeing this big kid skating around, and I'm thinking to myself, that kid is floating on the ice. He is such a strong skater, but it makes it look so effortless. So I'm like, wow, that kid. And he's just a scrawny little kid. And I'm like, but when he <laughs> hit him, he was like hitting a rock. <laughs> but yeah, like, man. Good. I remember thinking. 
Yeah, I mean, the experience. And then, so yeah, uh, so that was at the end. And unfortunately, you know, I like to say, like, well, I mean, it was really bad when I was there. Um, there was not a lot of, uh, there weren't air and home games. Uh, stands weren't full. We weren't doing very well. And, you know, there, there was a big controversy in Chicago at the time that Bill Wirtz, the owner, thought that it was, you know, better for, like, why would I want to air free TV when people pay big money to come to watch the game live? But yet he didn't realize, like, you got, not that you can afford that, and you got a generation of people that are watching hockey on TV, then you're getting them hooked, and so they can come out to the games when they get older. Just, uh, we can miss that whole, there's a lot of, so... Once, once he passed, unfortunately, uh, he, his son Rocky took over and just flipped everything. It, it, with, within like a year, it was just flipped, and 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 that's when I went to Pittsburgh. I signed in Pittsburgh. Eddie Olchuk was my team. I first got traded to Chicago, and then he ended up coaching in Pitt, and then he uh, was an unrestricted free agent. And on Friday the thirteenth, <laughs> that July that I'm talking about, it's funny that you say that because around that time is when I was talking to Eddie Olshuk and he said that the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted to sign him to a two-year deal. So I jumped on that. Was Mario still there? No, but that summer, uh, so that summer, we never, so he was there, he was the owner. And then, so 0405 was a lockout year. And then, and then that following summer, I signed a two-year contract, we got Crosby in the draft lottery. So that sprung Mario Lemieux to come out of retirement. So I got oh, yeah. Mario Lemieux and, and, and Sidney Crosby. So my last year in the NHL was Sidney Crosby's rookie. That's kind of cool. Uh, wow. That kid. Let me tell you how this guy's a workhorse. 18 years old, dominating men in the NHL. Like, dominating them. And his pre... Pre-game warm-up this was tougher than my post-game workout. And I prided myself on being in shape. And that's when I knew I was getting the end of my ropes. Because in practice time, you know how you do these drills? And then you've done a drill and the coach yells one hard lap. Well, I always prided myself in not having anybody pass me in that. You know what I mean? Well, this yeah. 18-year-old kid would fucking blow by me. And I'm like, that ain't going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> it, happened, it happened all the time. Wow. So, so Sid, the kid, he's really that big of a machine, oh, like yeah. a workhorse. He, he's a real deal. He, he was a good kid, uh, just passionate and just, he's a hockey player. I think of hockey and I see a picture of him. He's built well, like one. Yeah. And, and like, and like Bushy, like I, I kind of look at, at Sidney Crosby the same way that I look at LeBron James. These are guys that were drafted first overall, had all these expectations. If anything, they've exceeded the expectations, never got in trouble, and have been a good role model their whole life. I mean, come on, man. That's a pretty flawless record. Like, Sid is good. not like any fun, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. So, man. So, okay. So, now, this is perfect. So, now... You get to play with Sid. You're in with the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the most, you know, storied non-original six franchises that I think might, might be out there, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. One of my coaches, my favorite coach that, that I've ever had, I had him for four straight seasons, was Mr. Randy Cunnyworth in Rochester when I played for the Rochester Americans. Now, he told me, 
I asked Cunny, I'm like, Cunny, man, you had such a long career. This was like three in the morning on a bus trip coming back from somewhere, right? And I'm like, Cunny, what team did you like the best, man? What team did you have the most fun with? He's like, honestly, Mac, he's like, when I played in Pittsburgh, every the, the fans, everybody's just wearing black and yellow and, you know, all their teams are the same colors and, you know what I mean? Like the Steelers, you know, yourself and, and, and like, you know, and, and it, there's just so much pride behind it, man. And he's like, the city is so nice. People don't realize how nice Pittsburgh is. Like, did you have the same thoughts? Like, like towards the city and the pride or not really? I could see, like, I wasn't there that long because the True. 0405, I was there until the new year, until they canceled the season. Uh, oh, yeah. My daughter then. And then I went home and, and then, then I was shipped to Wilkes-Barre. Uh, and then, um, and then the following year, that's when we got Crosby and I was there until Christmas time. And then I ended up getting uh, surgery on my neck, had a fusion done. And uh, I've watched a couple of your fights when I'm speaking, and uh, and I and I noticed that it's pretty tough getting your helmet off. How is your neck doing these days? Do you have any neck issues with your? Um, I I think that I've been very lucky, Bushy. Like I haven't I haven't had any neck problems, but I but I see what you're saying, man. I I I, I know what you I, mean. I would keep my helmet on a little tighter than normal. They weren't going to just punch it off. If they wanted to get my helmet off, they had to rip it off for the most part, right? But unfortunately, yeah. it saved me some blows to the head, but it really messed my neck up, and I had to get a fusion done. I hear you, man. Man, you you definitely had a good a good way that you did it, man, because not too many guys were able to get your bucket off, Ryan Vandenbush. <laughs> you did a good job with that, man. You know, for sure. Now, look, this is what, this is what really interests me, because when I was 12 years old, Bushy, my AAA hockey team, the Don Mills Flyers, we had an opportunity to do a two-week trip in Europe, one week in Stockholm, Sweden, and the other week in Helsinki, Finland, okay? And we were going to play against the top teams for our age group in, in those respective countries. When we went to Finland, the team that hosted the exhibition games was Jokerit, right? Because they had a AAA team. I know, I know, I saw that. And so I, I want to talk to you about Yokerit. Like, we were told that that Yokerit team was like a religion in Finland, man. That that was like the real deal, man. You got such a cool logo and the whole deal, man. How was it like playing for Yokerit, my friend? It, it was interesting. It, it, it was it was good. It was different hockey. It wasn't my style of yeah. hockey. The ice was yeah. way too big for me. I, I, I had to skate way too far to hit somebody by the time <laughs> the, the play was over. Like, it was just, ice was really big. It, it um, We lived in a hotel. I had two small little kids. It was dark all the time. The people were great. I mean, uh, my teammates were amazing. Um, we had a sauna in our in our hotel room. Didn't have a, a sauna. Dryer, so we... You know, it, 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 eating out all the time every day. We were there probably from November until Christmas. And then uh, I got an opportunity to go to uh, New Mexico. Uh, to yeah. Be a, a player assistant coach for the New Mexico Scorpions. So I thought, you know what, that's a good way to wind out, see if I kind of want to stay involved in hockey. I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue to, to do that or kind of, you know, re-identify myself as something else. And, so I went to New Mexico, and um, probably 15 games in, I because of my fusion, my arms were still going numb on me. If, you know, of course, everyone's trying to fight me too, and I'm yeah. too stupid to say no. 
And yeah. so I continue to fight. And then um, uh, it's just, I, my body couldn't take it. I was just, I was 34, my 30, my 14th year pro then. And, and I was just like, you know what? I got two young little kids. I'm going to pack it in and I'm going to, uh, so we did that when we, on the way, we just headed home in uh, January, 2007. I'll never forget that ride home. That my hockey career. Now the U-Haul was in a, got my two little kids in there. I got a dog, got a cat and got a pull on a U-Haul or trucks full and driving 24 hours from Albuquerque, New Mexico, back home to Southern Ontario. Yeah, buddy. So, so it was like, um, that that show where they where there's the high school teacher making with the lab and you know like like it was desert out there right yeah well no actually the time that for the the most of the time that i was there you that's what i thought too when i was going there but they had this cold spell and they didn't get much of it ever because they they didn't everyone was so panicked they had a little bit of snow on the on the roads and there was people on pickup trucks with dirt and shoveling dirt off the side of the road and trying to get down the melt the ice and wait hold on there was snow spell of weather going on there it was freezing cold it wasn't supposed to be like that wow (laughs) another reason like get me out of here i thought we're moving to a a southern state where it's going to be you know fairly warm but i don't know i was only there for about a month (laughs) breaking Uh, bad is time to go home yeah breaking bad is the show i was referring to I think it's filmed from from New Mexico, right? I think it might even be Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Um, so yeah, so Bushy. So yeah, that ride home. I mean, I could imagine what what that was like. But now, but looking back, like we're never really sure, you know, if it's the right time or whatever. But looking back, like you must have been really proud of what you were able to do, the contracts you were able to sign. I mean, you played well over three hundred games in the National Hockey League, my friend. Like. You had a great career, you know what I mean? Known as probably, honestly, Bushy, you're the most entertaining fighter of your era, man. Like, that's that's just the way it is, man. You know what I mean? And this is a guy that you're six foot 205, would you say, was your playing weight? Uh, 198, 202. Yeah, 202-ish, yeah. Right on. I had Tim Hunter on a little while ago, the exact same weight. Looks like the toughest guys might be between 195 and 200, man. <laughs> you know, I, don't sell yourself. Like the guys that I have the most respect for are the are, are the, the the journeymen that that are in the minors because I know what it's like. Like I've played a, a lot of games down there too, and I'm telling you, man, those guys, you got to be extremely mentally tough, physically tough because of the way we travel down there, like like three and three, three and three games. Yeah, you know you're you're in Portland. <laughs> you play a Friday night, and you get on a bus to go to Hershey, and you play yeah. Saturday night, and then you get on a bus to come back to Portland to play a two o'clock afternoon game. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. game schedule. That's we're not right. going on planes. We're not getting get, having buffets. It's a whole different world. And I'm telling you, man, these guys like yourself in the minors for. For that long, man, I, hats off to you guys. Holy, thing. no, the, the, I mean that's cool hearing that from a guy like you, Bushy, because you're absolutely right. And and you know you you had a little taste of the American League before you went up to the little, to the show, so you know I spent just as much time in the American Hockey League uh, as I did in the NHL. So I'm pretty much split. I played the same, pretty much the same amount of games back, but I spent more time in the NHL. Because yeah, 
I didn't play every game, and I was injured for a lot of games, right? Yeah. In the American Hockey League, fucking playing all the time. I was like, this is painful. It was a break in the NHL, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you mean. It's a, it's a whole other level. Not of the skill level, necessarily, but the treatment. The Another star added to that hotel rating. <laughs> You know, yeah. like it's 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 pretty cool to be in the show, but that's why it's the show, right, Bushy? I always say, I always say that you know the American Hockey League and the NHL. You don't realize how close they are until you're actually in the American Hockey team. Oh yeah, to come down to play with you and get called back up and stuff like that. And I always say, like, you can replace a third or fourth liner or fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman with anyone in the American Hockey League, and you would never notice a difference. You know exactly. I, I, I agree with that 100%. And I'm sure all the guys in the AHL, man, that are hearing Ryan Vandebush, give them that, you know, that, 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 that recognition. I'm, I'm sure they appreciate that too. Now, quick question. Now that, now that we're on, like, your last couple years here, buddy, I was watching another fight. Ryan Vandenbush playing on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I don't know if you were in Hershey or if you were in Wilkes-Barre, but there was a gentleman that was on Hershey that had played in Wilkes-Barre quite a bit, that, that had played the role for quite a long time, that's a similar size to you, a little bit shorter, but quite a legend in the American Hockey League, Dennis Bonvi, right? Man, I saw a fight between you guys, and man, I'm watching it. A bushy, and, and I could just tell, buddy, that you just did not want this fight to end. You waved off the refs multiple times during the battle, and boy, oh boy, was that an, an entertaining battle. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Dennis the Menace. Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've been fighting each other since our first year of junior together when he was, was with the uh, North Bay Centennials. He loved to skate over the red line, and I remember one time in North Bay, it was a TSN game, and he skated over the red line. I caught him, and I just clipped his leg, and we almost went out and warm up. Then we ended up get, going out it during the TSN game. I broke my hand, and uh, I finished the game. But oh man, every level. And then I got to the American Hockey League, and I didn't, you know, fought him in the American Hockey League. And then I got to Chicago playing in the NHL, and I'm like, I wonder. Then I hear he gets called up to, to Ottawa. It was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, he got called. Pittsburgh, you got called up Pittsburgh, and we're playing Pittsburgh, and I'm like, gonna fight this guy again. Sure enough, Jeez. we're in Chicago, we have a good fight in Pittsburgh, and then uh, here I am in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, now I sign with Pittsburgh Penguins, and guess who's in training camp with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Guess no way. Fight nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, Dennis Bombie. <laughs> you guys went in camp? Oh yeah, we were, we were constantly fighting each other. I, that, that guy's a tough man, let me tell you. Holy, I, I, I couldn't do what he does for as long as what he did in the American Hockey League. There's no way I could do that. And those guys that he's fighting, guys like you, man, there's some crazy dudes that are just monsters. want to kill you. I mean, that's how, the mentality you have to have is like, yeah, I got to get this guy down before he's going to get me down. But there is some guy, like, uh, I don't know if you ever played with Garrett Burnett. And I just oh, remember yeah. him, like, Garrett Burnett, we were in Binghamton, and I remember him, like, eating vodka, drink, having a little shot of vodka, little bottles, and, and washing it down with a power bar that was dipped in Flexol. Or yeah. Or that 
cream. Va- I was oh. going to say Va- Vicks Vapor Rub is what That's, I heard. Yeah. And then he, he'd eat it. Yes. He'd eat the Vapor Rub. Was that a, I thought that was a one. So it was a regular thing. It's just, Dude, I heard he did that when he, what was he in, Anaheim? Yeah, yes, that's what I thought. He was somewhere on the West Coast. Yeah, he was with Anaheim. That team, I I played with guys that played on that team, and they're like, "Yeah, that Burnett guy, man, he he he's he's different, man. That guy would eat Vicks Vapor Rub right in front of me." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, so yeah. There's a lot of characters, you know what I mean, that just don't give a flying f, you know what I mean, and just. So it's dangerous. I mean, it's like you got guys like Frankie the Animal by Lois that uh, he, he before every game, uh, he, he was awesome. I love Frankie. He taught me how to play chess. But before every game, he would want me to punch him in the head with my hockey glove on. You know how you go out the hallway before you jump on the ice and you're standing there and hit the guy with the gloves. And if I didn't do it hard enough, two good jabs, you know what I mean? And that woke him up, and it got him pissed off, and it fell him out on the ice, and and he knew his role. He 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 just anyone on there that's gonna fight, he's he's welcoming anybody. Love that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, man, yeah, he's a he's a legend in himself. So now, Bushy. So it's two thousand six, two thousand seven. You're supposed to be in the desert. For some reason, it's snowing. You're like, you know what? I'm out of here. Right. You leave there, that's that's the end. That's you hanging up your skates. Now, when you hung up your skates, did you go through a time where you just there was no hockey at all, or did you keep doing like kind of beer league skates with local guys? Like, like how did you approach the first couple of years after you were done? Post retirement, um, it was it was a very difficult transition for me. Uh, a little bit like I should I was kind of looking when the lockout happened I remember thinking you know no 405 I remember preparing myself then when I canceled the season come I think it was end of January and I remember looking at my wife and I remember thinking well we certainly didn't make enough money to be able to continue to not work so what the hell are we going to do if we don't play if I don't play hockey again and that's when I started thinking you know real estate my dad is in real estate and i'd probably just get my real estate license and that's kind of what we thought about so i had time to think about it so i had direction there i had but when i when i packed it in uh when i was leaving new mexico albuquerque we ordered our real estate books and then we got them we 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 made it our job my wife and i to study and to get licensed within six months and by that summer i was doing open houses on a sunday afternoon where every, you know, before I was always at the lake, you know, on the beach doing something fun. And here I am working in the real world. Like, what the hell is <laughs> happening here? <laughs> like, Sunday between two and four. I'm like, anyways, uh, so that was a bit of a transition. It was, it was good though. I mean, if I want, you know, I wanted to be able to keep what I have. So you got to work hard, you know, and, and through to pay the bills. And yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I still depend a little bit on opioids too. I, I um, you know, uh, a lot of travel. And dealing with time changes, we did a lot of ambiens and did a lot of, you know, pain pills like Percocets and synthetic opioids. And so I had to kick that habit. And um, so it was a, it was a tough transition. I got a little, um, 
you know, trouble until I was six. And, uh, you know, so I was going through some legal issues too. And, uh, you know, it was, it was like, I had to write things down. I, I was like, I was living this crazy whirlwind and, and all these things happened. And I was like, I'm just going to write it down and take it one day at a time and just knock some shit off and get back on track. I had to have a wake up call there. And, uh, I did. And, and um, yeah. And, and those first couple of years were a little tough. Not going to lie to you. Well, Bushy, I mean, that, like, 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 thank you for sharing that, right? Because I, you know, that, that's, that's, that's personal stuff, man. But, but like, we want to know your story. We're inspired by your career, by the way you carry yourself. The one thing I was going to mention right now, buddy, was just the fact that, like, like, I, I mean, it's been 20 years since that golf tournament, right, Bushy? And, you know, you were in the NHL when I was in the AHL. So we never really crossed paths. I mean, I mentioned I joking with you on the phone when I first saw you on the, on the video call when we were testing out Skype yesterday. I'm like, dude, I wish I, I'm so glad I never seen this mug on the face off. I don't, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, oh. like I'm, I'm glad that I never played against you, buddy, because I'm telling you one thing. When guys play against Ryan Vandenbush, it's not a fight. It's a war. You're, you're in a war. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to go down. If I was going to go down, you had to knock me out. And that's happened a few times. And uh, just, a, you know, you just take a wild one and just drop like a sack of potatoes. But for the most part, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was a war because you just, you, you don't want to lose, right? I mean, you have that will to win and, and nobody wants to go down. So the mentality you have to have really to be there. No, no, Bushy, the other thing I wanted to ask you about Chicago was who, who did they, who else was there when you were in Chicago? So, so, so Proby, uh, he was there pretty much my whole career. He, he, uh, he was my roommate for four of the seven years that I was there. And um, he was your roommate. He was my roommate. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Probert. Yeah. Wow. I was a, I was a pallbearer at his funeral in okay. 2010. But um, yeah. And then Dougie Gilmore was also there. And um, like I said, Chris Chellis early, then he was traded. And um, uh, Alexei Jamnov was our, our the captain. Tony Amante. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a good bunch of guys. We had a lot of fun. But you know, living in the city of Chicago, people didn't really know who the heck we were. And uh, it, we could go out and just you know be ourselves and watch Dougie Gilmer drink a beer from the top of his forehead down to his mouth. You know, and <laughs> he couldn't do that drunk. <laughs> like Chicago, it's good. I got to play for the Wolves for a little bit. So I got to see how the city of Chicago is. And man, it's quite the experience. Like just going to a place like Wrigleyville, Bushy. Yeah. Have you ever been to a, something like that before? Like that was an experience that, I, that I've never had before. Partying in Wrigleyville? That. Yeah, that was our thing. We would always catch a, a game at Wrigley Field in the springtime. Play us for yeah. And it was just a great feeling that, for me, the season was coming near an end. We were mathematically eliminated since January. I'm going hey, home. Are you White Sox or Cubs? Cubs. Cubs? Cubs. Yeah. Did, have, did, you? Were you ever there when they did uh, take me out to the ballpark? 
Song? Yeah. <laughs> What's that yeah, like? Chalios watched him sing that a few times. Really? Chalios sang that a, a couple times, actually, when I was there, yeah. And, what, um, he got to say it on the mic, like, for the stadium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was singing the, yeah, yeah. Really? But, yeah, Chicago, great city, for sure. Um, Expensive, though. Yeah, rent wasn't cheap there. Back then, it was like $4,500 a month for a two-bedroom apartment, 46 yeah. floor. It's ridiculous. Like, like, people complain about the prices in Toronto for rent. Try Chicago back in the day, like you said. You know what I mean? Right. That's some Absolutely. pricey stuff, man. Right? Yeah. Man. So, like, okay, so right now, Bushy, are you skating now? No, I'm I'm coaching my kids. Uh, my my son, he's six, uh, 15 years old, minor midget. So I'm coaching him locally here. And then uh, my daughter, who's 16, she's playing in Brantford. Um, so I, I I coach her too. Um, I used to coach her, but not this year. Um, so just just my son this year. That's the only time I get on the ice. What position so, does he play? He he's a center winger. He can play a little bit of D two. This guy's gonna move him around. <laughs> and, and and so what does he want to do does he does he want to go to school does he want to play in the ontario hockey league what does he want to do um he he likes the game of hockey i don't think he loves it you know what i mean okay like, like uh, i don't really you know but that's his priority um he's not sure you know he loves hanging out with his buddies you know and yeah and he likes hockey for that because it's you know the camaraderie hanging out with your bud so he, you know he's loving that uh he's not much of a school guy i asked him if he likes school and he don't like school at all <laughs> and are you in delhi right now no no so i i i live uh right between turkey point port dover now so a little uh just outside of port ryersey i don't know if you've ever been to port ryersey I uh, think I must have passed it at some point. Yeah, if you ever next neck of the woods, make sure you look me up. One hundred percent. So, did you just say something about water? It's near the water. Yeah. So I I I bought a um a seventy six acre farm back in nineteen ninety eight when the prices weren't crazy, and uh, uh, and a thousand feet of lake frontage. So I've got a nice little piece of property along the water here, and uh, yeah, I. I like it. I don't take it for granted. Scenery changes every hour. <laughs> Dude, did you say a thousand feet? What'd you say? How yeah. much? How much it's shoreline? Thousand feet on the water. North North Shore Lake Erie, between Turkey Point and Port Dover, God's country. It's a it's a secret down here. But not anymore. A lot of people from the GTA are moving down in, in the London area. Hamilton, right? Hamiltonians. Dude, you know what? You know what? That, like, party at Bushies, man. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we used to run a, a festival called Bushstock. We had, Come on. So I got, the, I got part of the farm uh, rezoned for for festivals and uh so about three years we did we opened the place up to the public we had the trues down one year and that that was interesting um but we're we're not doing that my my wife was uh 
you know, it, it didn't work out. So um, just because my wife got diagnosed with cancer, she's all good now. And um, that's great. It was just uh, too much stuff, right? With uh, everything else going on. So we, uh, we quit that and then we just focused on what we're doing now, selling real estate. Yeah, bro. So, so I, I meant to ask you this before. So you and your wife got, got your licenses at the same time? Yeah. yeah. So she must be, you, got, you guys must be quite the unit then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we pretty, like what don't we do together, really? I mean, we work together. Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, she's been how long have you been married, Bushy? And, uh, so this, it'll be 20 years in, uh, next year. Yeah, it's 19 years. Congratulations, yeah. buddy. That's I love hearing that stuff, man. That's great. Hey, you got kids, Mac. I do. I I I have one. Um, I'm actually like like I I, I still I'm a dreamer, man. I'm almost forty, but but I I still I haven't settled down yet, Bushy. I gotta yeah. settle down, but you know what I mean. Hey, you'll do it when you're ready to, right? There you go, buddy. There you go. But you'll dude, I, I know. Sorry, go ahead, Bushy. Go ahead. No, I just said you're gonna do it when you're ready. Yeah, no, that's it, man. And that's exactly that's that's exactly the way it's gonna go. And, and and like I said, everything always works out for the best. So that's the way that we just gotta we just gotta prepare for the best, right? Um, but Bushy, I know we've been over over the time limit, buddy, and and, and I it's because of me. I, I just needed to squeeze just a little bit more information, buddy, because your story is just so incredible. And, and I know the listeners are going to be talking about this episode for so long, man. The insight that you gave us of the warrior, man, is incredible. You were it was a long shot from the OHL to the NHL, bud, and you were one of the guys that because you were willing to do something that other guys weren't willing to do and you were damn good at it and damn entertaining, you had a long and luxurious NHL career, bro. And I just wanted to say congratulations. I enjoyed watching you, Ryan Vandenbush, so many times. It was such an entertaining show when you would step on the ice, bro, and you need to know that you were a really big deal as a player, man. Well, thanks, Mac. I'm I'm glad we never got the tangle because I, I I watched your fights. I, I you're a big boy, and uh, so <laughs> thanks, but no, thank that means a lot. Brian Ben, me on the show. Yeah, buddy. No, honestly, but I did. You have a good time, Bushy. Awesome. Thank you awesome, for buddy. having me. Bro, it, it was incredible. Like, so I, I, this, this is great. So I'm going to end this right now. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff featuring special guest Ryan Vandenbush. I always have to do the announcer type thing when there's a warrior like this in the room. So I want to thank everyone again for tuning in. We'll see you next time, guys. Woo!